times off the field. Okay, so this is the evening tippler uh, with Steve and Z, and we have a guest uh, tonight. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about this guest. If it wasn't for his amazing humility, we, we couldn't probably even fit into this room with as large a life as, as he's led. So we're going to play sort of 20 questions for a minute, Z, and let people guess who is sitting amongst us mere mortals, okay? So this man was the first man to perform music at the Guggenheim, right? Uh, we are not worthy. Possibly the last. And uh, <laughs> so like I said, the humility is just like flowing like uh, maple syrup in, in January. <laughs> He was the guest of a man who interviews presidents, David Letterman. Okay, he's, he's been on that show. His music has been used for Prada ads, which is like so far the biggest deal yet. He not only um, kind of looks like a young Jesus, homeless young Jesus, but he is smart. He graduated from Skidmore College. Which I didn't is, graduate. Uh, <laughs> but he, he went there, so he, he touched it. So it's still a little bit. And it is reputed, Z. Um, I think you told me this, that you started when, before I ever met this man, you started to say his, his music is a form of breathing. Okay? And, and that got me interested. But then you said it's reputed that he is the great, 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 great grandchild of Mozart. And, you know, my only, nobody can be that great, okay? But you are that great. Um, welcome. Uh, Z, what, what do you want to say about this great guy? <laughs> well, he also plays a harpsichord. Yeah, which is a Mozart kind of Exactly. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> and so, Mike, welcome. Thank you, Steve. Mike Stroud. Um, Hi. <laughs> and it's just such an honor to have the likes of you among us because when we are out there walking with the turkeys and we look up and there is an eagle soaring, it's like you. And when you walk into the room and you do that often at all of the wonderful parties that go on around here, um, everybody gets quiet. We recognize that we are among you know, somebody that has... Has a little bit of that, you know, uh, je ne sais quoi. Rat attack. <laughs> so, uh, how have you been, man? I'm good. Yeah. Yeah, I've been good. Yeah. Working. Yeah, working. Uh, yeah, I've got a new, your music? new record with a, a different band called Kunzite. And it's pretty much done now. Yeah. Don't, yeah. I don't know what's going to happen with it, but. Is this a, is the evening tickler just getting the first of this news? Are we going to launch the thing on the evening tickler here? I suppose. Okay, yeah. tell us more about it, and maybe hum a we few. We don't have to talk about that. Can you hum a few tunes? <laughs> Electronic rock hummed is really really <coughs> interesting. Could you, maybe? No way. No way. <laughs> Can I do it for you? Yeah, no way. Um, well, your life is all about music. And yeah. I suppose it invades your dream time, and it defines most every aspect of your life because you're good at mm -hmm. it, and you've been at it for a long time now, in spite of the fact that you still look like a teenager. Um, 
when you like sit down and you start to cut up your bacon and eggs in the morning, does does even that kind of act inspire you into thinking about how you would turn it into music? Maybe on a certain day. Yeah, yeah, I bet, man. You I definitely like pork. to think about just everyday sounds and how they work together as like an orchestra, you know. Like anything can inspire a song, so... Usually when I'm cooking or cleaning or anything like that, I'm really just impatient. Like, I just want to get it over with. Yeah. Get to the music. Yeah, get to the music. Um, yeah. See, do you do you in your life have anything that is so compelling that everything that goes on inspires you to focus on that compelling thing? Aside from pigs? Pigs. Aside from pigs. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Every time I see uh, you, I'm like, I got a new guitar. Like, I got a new pig. I got a new pig. That's not. No, I I don't. And I and I think that that compulsiveness and that love of music it was what makes you extraordinary. And I think most musicians of your caliber, which are not that many, have that sort of relationship with the music. Mm. I mean, it's kind of why I wanted to live up here because I can make noise. I was like the world's worst neighbor when i lived Ooh. in new york city yeah i just hate you already just, just thinking knocking about that. Yeah, you know yeah. it'd be like three in the afternoon like shut up <laughs> so like i moved uh, up here brought all my music stuff yeah and i never like i think i went back maybe six months later yeah just to get rid of my apartment yeah because i could finally like do it yeah in privacy you know? yeah when you when you said goodbye to the apartment did you go out with the last hurrah of like percussion all up and down the ceiling or <laughs> just a, probably you know this is mother's day right happy yeah. mother's day z thank you yeah, did your mother's kids day. call you up and say you're the best they did okay that's good. they did and i and i told them that um well i told both of them that we were going to be um doing the radio show and that you were going to be on it and like okay. says well say mike thank you for naming a song after me because his, we call him lex <laughs> Really? Yes. No way. <laughs> well, when he was a baby, I used to call him Lex Luthor. So, <laughs> Lex sort of stayed, but totally. he knew the song. He loves the song. Nice. <laughs> I understand, Mike, that uh, when you were a child, you told your mother, uh, Mom, when I grow up, I want to be a musician. And your mother replied, she said, well, darling, you know, you can't do both. Both? Yeah, that's it's a joke. When, when you grow up, I want to be a musician. And right. You can't oh, do okay. Both. You can't I grow see. up and be a <laughs> Good musician. point, actually. Which I, kind I, of proves the I'm fact that, down. that you haven't grown up yet. I'm growing down. Um, music is something that keeps um, the very soul, because of the creative act of it, in a state where you're always in the beginner's eye you are always that child yeah and i i wonder you know about people that really have accomplished a lot and are compelled by their their art form whether it's a blessing or a curse because you are you are always it's, it's always that other person that is in you um, making yeah. And saying and doing and and waking you up to yeah, take over. Yeah, I mean, I get over. very depressed if I don't make something. Yeah. After a while, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's so, a very common trait of creative people. Is if right. they're not creating, they're like really blue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
What was really interesting is wanna, that you want to hum some of that uh, blues, bluey stuff. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> yeah. Have you been? But you've been making music, right? So you're kind of happy right now. Yeah. Well, I, my wife and I just went to L.A. for like five weeks, and I, we made four new tracks. Yeah, it was pretty productive. Yeah. Just hung out a lot too. And yeah, good. My bandmate, my new bandmate. So uh, Ratatat is sort of on like semi-permanent hiatus now mm-hmm. there's only two of us and mm-hmm. kind of drive each other crazy yeah so i'm on in this in this new band now and it's completely different it's just fun everything about it is fun basically what's the difference there you have three people or? just no there's still just two of so, us yeah, okay yeah i mean right. but we'll we'll perform with like an actual live band drummer and keys bass everything yeah but and ratatat was always just two people on stage it was more like a visual performance than just seeing like a band i that's what you know? i read uh yeah. about you is that your shows were really sort of psychedelic 60s really juicy stuff for the eyes yeah, yeah. i i know that most of our fans were definitely taking mushrooms or yeah. anything before the shows yeah how do you know that the, did you go like interview I, I always went out and met people after. <laughs> and, just, and their eyes i would were often just spinning. walk off the front of the stage and go out and just talk to people they must have loved that to have you and i didn't want to go backstage and talk to the people i see every day yeah so i just went out and met people as the performance was going on you just kind of like walked out. i usually waited till it was over <laughs> oh did you okay right <laughs> well yeah because they're too bad I but i could testify to the mushrooms and all that because my daughter used to go to mike shows uh-huh and she certainly indulged right there you go yeah so you know it was kind of, it was just part of the experience. well of course it's just it's part of the language and and, and it's the appetites right. that are very strong these days and the fact uh, of course like colorado i think just voted that uh, psilocybin's yeah, okay psilocybin psilocybin's first it was alcohol and then it was no first it was tobacco then it was alcohol then it was marijuana then it's psilocybin and next it'll be they're probably being in, they're going to probably make it legal to be an investment banker, the, the deadliest <laughs> sin of all that ultimately kills you. But, you know, what do you think the next phase after psilocybin is? What so will they after approve? Psilocybin? Maybe ayahuasca? Oh, the ayahuasca. What that, is that? Yeah, what is ayahuasca? I've heard well, that. Ayahuasca, it's like a spiritual the active drug. ingredient is DMT. What's DMT? Oof. It's a Steve technical molecular name, right? Well, we actually have DMT in our um, pineal gland. It's sort of like, the, they call it like the spirit oh. molecule. Oh, is that the like thing that gets released when you die? Yeah. Or about to die? It's, I think it's meant to like yeah. <laughs> bring you into like a different dimension or something. So people, you know, people can do DMT and just smoke it. Yeah. And you have this intense, apparently people see all kinds of sacred geometry yeah and um but it, it's a really quick it's like 15 minutes or something yeah but supposedly but it's yeah, it's a natural substance that exists in your brain and naturally only gets released right before you die can you, which it could explain a lot of the things that people see yeah. right like the ndes yes totally uh-huh. but and so that's the active like chemical compound, whatever, in ayahuasca. So that might but be But it's the a next mixture of a, a vine and a plant, and they, they do ceremonies. It's again it's super trendy and popular yeah. now. Like, I don't know. When I, do you think, it, how, does it, how is it administered? 
they make, it's like a kind of like a stew that they make. And you drink that you eat the stew? You drink it. Yeah. You drink it. I now, have friend a few friends that have done it. I I'm sort of terrified of that kind of stuff. Of being out of control that way? Or seeing geometry? Well, it, everyone says it's, it's like the death experience. I'm like, I, maybe I can wait. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. I, I wouldn't touch I think it. it would be really, you know, good for yeah. me to do. But just I've heard so many people say when given the option of death, I, I really kind of like it here. You know, it's a, I don't need to go there. Yeah. Um, so well, it's it's meant to be really good for you know people with addictions or uh, it's like a healer. Uh huh. You know. Yeah. You vomit and you you're just going to the bathroom and all night and it's, you just detoxify and purge. Yeah, I, I think basically what it does is, is it it travels through your body and finds the problems. Yeah. And it know, expels them. It fixes them basically. Well, that's that is yeah. something when when that comes. But I think out it's illegal. And, it's definitely illegal uh, here. Anything that that is that powerful. And that kind of kills you but keeps you alive is definitely something that the man wants to keep out of the reach of children. Yeah. Uh, and the effect is only 15 minutes? No. Uh, ayahuasca, is, uh, I think it's like a whole night ordeal. Oh, okay. But, yeah. but if you just smoke the DMT, it's like 15 minutes. 15 and minutes. Out. But, yeah. I mean, that could feel like a month. Well, when, <laughs> you're, you know? when, you're, yeah, when, when you see the light and you go towards it and that sort of death ray thing. And then the sacred geometry, as you said, starts to flow in like a kaleidoscope. Uh, then yeah. I'm sure it could just go on forever, like that that horrible scene in Stanley Kubrick's 2001: A Space Odyssey, where Dave mm. has like locked into that time warp, and you're sitting there in the chair, and oh, you know, right. and the and the, that light is just going on forever. I'm sure it's only like five minutes, but it's like, oh my goodness, will this say. ever end? You know, when Mozart was a really weird guy, aside from being a genius, he had this one character trait where he would act like a cat. And when he got bored, like if he, I know if he was sitting there where watching Stanley Kubrick, I read a lot. Um, and I don't read normal things. Um, but in, in, particularly in his rehearsals for his operas, he mm. would really act out like a cat. He'd crawl over the chairs and he would hiss and meow. Uh, when he thought the performance was starting to get a little boring. Um, but I know... <laughs> I'm going to start doing that. I bet that you have a few... You know, Actually, oh. the night I met my wife, she claims I was acting like a tiger. There you go. On, the, on, the, <laughs> on this rooftop in Manhattan, just like... <laughs> just growling. <laughs> you are the she great, was like, this great, 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 Well, wasn't great. she in a trapeze? She was. So... <laughs> well, that's to make sense. Well, there you go. <laughs> yeah. Match made in heaven. Yes. <laughs> you know, I, I've met a lot of women, some of them I've married, and I've never <laughs> been able to say when people ask, how did you meet that person? Well, I was growling like a tiger as my um, intended was on a trapeze. That's a pretty good story, Mike. I know. Did you, I mean, it reminds me of Barnum and Bailey in the Three Ring Circus, you know, the trapeze and high mm -hmm. wire, and right. the wild animals underneath it snarling and hissing. Right. Was it kind of like that that night? On the roof. Pretty much, actually. She had these striped tights and was just in this trapeze Gosh. doing flips and all kinds of weird stuff. Yeah, right. Yeah, it was fun. I mean, I don't even remember that night. I was so drunk. Well, it's good that, <laughs> it's good that, that uh, your wife remembered. Yeah. Uh, and so uh, did you fall into a form of uh, sort of lust as a, as a predator always does with its prey, the tiger? A week later. Um, 
the um, the song my father always sang in the shower, which when your father sings in the shower, it's so, so repulsive and <laughs> and uh, inappropriate. And it was he sang this song that remind that I'm reminded of with with your story. Um, my mother, once she had a lovely daughter, her daughter was an actress on the stage, and every night she went in with the tigers, and her mother would say, oh, no, don't go in the lion's cage tonight. Oh, no, because the lions are ferocious and they'll bite. Did you find, okay, now I'm going to Your father used to sing that. Thank you. My father used to sing that. I love it. And, uh, and it was just, it was like, oh, my God. I live in a house where the, this alpha predator father sings a stupid song like this. But <laughs> after years, I fell in love with it. Did you, did you really, I mean, because guys are very aggressive sexually around women and stuff. Did you feel right. yourself sort of turned on by the idea that there is this like, um, wonderful object up there swinging around you know and you're a cat and you just want to swat it down and play with it yeah i mean i went yeah i went all in on that that's good <laughs> i'm proud of you that way it's part of what being a genius i had never heard about, about this mozart thing though that you're the great 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 no well that too but the cat <laughs> the cat <laughs> thing so i weird. i haven't the one thing that i heard was that he would go around and pee in corners. Well, yeah, he was. Now we're talking. Expert. You know, I, I, the, the cat thing. Maybe that—that's how the, they sort of like fixed it up and said he acted like a cat. I've been known to pee in corners. He could have. Uh, like he would go right. because his opera was considered, uh, you know, proletarian to an extent. I mean, it was opera for the people, and right. most of it was performed in very burlesque type of mm -hmm. yeah. locations. Nobody took it seriously. Right. Did you know in terms He was of writing the most insane music at such a young age. Yeah. Well, he was. He, he really was. I mean, truly, there was... Um, My favorite Mozart stuff is the piano concertos. He was 19 years old. Yeah, 19. He was on fire. What a jerk. Being <laughs> <laughs> able so to write that. that. He was such a jerk. But there was... Um, that. There's a series of, of talks by Leonard Bernstein at, at Harvard, and um, essentially the talks were about the three musicians that changed the course of music, and it was Bach, Mozart, and Beethoven. And everybody else was sort of a, a yeah. little bit of a filler And they, in a they way. were both obsessed with Bach. And they were both obsessed with Bach, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Bach used to, I think he would have like organ battles you know how they have like rap battles now? List did that too. He had he had duels. Which right. I yeah. Do you know why Mozart uh killed his chickens? Is this a joke? To eat them? <laughs> because they were always running around screaming, Bak, bak, bak. Did you just make this up? That's such a dad joke. <laughs> it's, it's That's a, very it's good. Really a dad thanks, joke. thanks, Dad. Uh, yeah, you're, you're welcome. <laughs> I've got uh uh, what do you get when you drop a piano down a mine shaft? I don't know, man. <laughs> a flat miner. <laughs> That's a musical joke. Wow. That's another dad joke. <laughs> but, you know, musicians do have weird things, like another one of the greats, Beethoven. Um, he insisted on counting every morning the coffee beans that went into his coffee. He insisted and hand-counted 60 of them. Sounds that, OCD. Yeah. Uh, Before they knew what it was. Yeah. 
<laughs> I think you're so right. I yeah. think that if if uh, if the what modern a waste of time. 60 is not that many, right? It probably just started it to didn't take that long. get him up to notation. And, so has anybody figured out why 60? Nobody has figured out why 60, but I would guess that it's just the right amount of caffeine to get him jacked up to start doing right, either start notation writing. or start to pounding, uh, start to pound it out on a keyboard or something. Right. But, Caffeine has always been a drug of choice for, like Balzac, man. That guy lived on coffee. That guy, yeah. <laughs> a lot more. <laughs> yeah, um, but, <laughs> not just coffee. But coffee was his any drug. kind of upper. <laughs> and, yeah, um, but you know, like Louis Armstrong, Louis Louis Armstrong was another great musician, modern, of course. But he was weird. Every place he went, he handed out laxatives. Did you know that? That's, this is the truth. Why? Because he he was fat, and he started to eat this Swiss laxative. Louis Armstrong. Louis Armstrong. It called Wasn't that fat? Swiss Chris was this laxative, and he lost. <laughs> he pooped out a hundred pounds in like no time at all. And he thought that this, this was probably the best thing he could do for the world was to give them good, good movies. And he was going around handing. And them he out. would hand these out wherever he went. He'd hand out the. The laxatives. Party favor. Has, yeah, pretty much, right? Check the plumbing out. Well, all these uh, musical tidbits are really interesting. Keep on. What else? Okay. Yeah, onward. Uh, <laughs> I've got an, a few other ones. Um, how about um, a guy that we know and love that's kind of our contemporary, Frank Sinatra. He was kind of short. You, yeah. You, you don't know it, but the guy was short. And yeah, he looks little. He, uh, he wore shoe inserts. To appear taller. Tom Cruise. Or you, you wouldn't think that somebody with that amount of like juice, would right? Be he was insecure with like uh, about Ava the Gardner way. and yeah. Well, he was from Hoboken, New Jersey. So of Need course, say more. No, exactly. <laughs> he had a chip on his shoulder. Well, he did. Um, he Liz. sounds kind of like a dick. Yeah. Speaking of dicks, uh, List, which kind of rhymes. Uh, who was an early 19th century, like in 1820, he started to try to make some money. But he um, he and his paramour had a child. He made like Hungarian Rhapsody. Exactly, right. exactly. Um, he's Hungarian, and he got his paramour pregnant, and he had to make money because neither mm -hmm. one of and she was an author, and they, neither one of So he goes to Europe to do the thing that you did. He, he went around and did all these tours, played the piano, yeah. And slept with every single one of his hostesses. He was renowned yeah. to have been a well, tremendous well, womanizer. He had three really? vices. Yes. One was cognac, one was cigars, and the other was the, the dirty boogie. Right? Yeah, okay. absolutely. But, um, <laughs> and, um, but he didn't come back. He went to Europe and he performed, and then he was gone from Hungary for 16 years, and he comes back in about 1840. And... Um, everybody knows about him, and back then everybody was very nationalistic, and they were very proud right. of him at that point. And um, but he was a drunk, um, and he uh, but he was a good piano player, and he was good looking, and he was good looking, and he, he had very big hands. He whipped well, which a, sort of would translate into exactly. well. All right, we're yeah. not going there, <laughs> but <laughs> full octave reached long. Yeah, long. right. Um, okay. And so he, he he whipped into this this. Uh, this very inspired uh, rendition of the Hungarian national anthem, mm -hmm. and it whipped the uh, 
crowd into such a frenzy that state officials um, came roaring in after hearing that there was this riot going on and gave him a jewel-encrusted saber at, to, to tell the crowd that, yes, we love him and you can calm down. How, wouldn't that be great, Mike, First for you to be pit. performing with your new band and to have Trump come running in because the world was rioting over the, the frenzied reaction to your music like and then give you like a, a, a jewel-encrusted putter or whatever Trump gives people. I don't know. It wouldn't be a saber. No, it wouldn't. But it might not. be a, butt, a putter or, I don't know, maybe a McDonald's hamburger faux encrusted. Yeah, I could live with that. So um, Liz was an alcoholic, and he was invited to a very auspicious banquet and uh, was asked to stand up and give a speech. And uh, the review of the speech was this. Unhappily, uh, if he spoke well, well, he drank likewise. It <laughs> was just, it was an incomprehensible, he could not get up. And, really? and uh, they basically, when he went out to social deals, he had two people that would basically drag him, you know, toes on the pavement, drag him back. That's what I need to his apartment and and generally like a half an hour before his performances he'd still be oh, snoring really? and sleeping and they would just have to throw water on him and get him in mm-hmm. and he always performed like god himself was inside of him well you know, did you like, know the story where he absolutely scandalized this one big dinner in paris tell ah well it had to do with camembert and um, he had finished playing, and they were all sitting at dinner at this big, huge banquet table, and there were, you know, princes and princesses and dukes and duchesses, and you have it. And um, mm-hmm. they served camembert. And he said, well, do you know how camembert is made? And, you know, everybody sort of there ate it, but really didn't know the details of it. And so he jumped <laughs> on the table, squatted down, like lifted his tails, squatted down, and says camembert is made by the farmer's wife peeing on the cheese. Silence. Silence at the table. At the table. Because he did actually get on the table. Yes. And and, and demonstrated over, <laughs> over the big cheese on how Camembert was made. Well, yeah, he would be fun, wouldn't it? He? he would be amazing. In I just my my imagination goes in so many different directions with that as putting the, the proper sort of rind on a cheese to cover it with ammonia, right? And, yes. And well, fo- folic acid, right. which are very good sort of things, I suppose, that keep certain things off and put certain things on it. Is it like a but preservative, maybe? There is that wonderful sort of stinkiness to a camembert that, that is just uh, probably, uh, I don't know. What do you think? I, I believe yeah. it. I, I, I think they did pee on the camembert. I do want to believe that. I, I, think I, that I don't think they do it anymore, but I think they did. Old time, old time I'll cheese making. I'll trust on this one. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. As you, as you first described Mike to me and his music as a form of breathing, I, I suppose that old cheesemakers would say the same. It's a, f- a form of breathing. Mike, do well, you... I never heard this form of breathing comment before. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, I, I made know it. that you would no, even she, listen to she, my I, music. I, she yet. idolizes you. As I do. I do. 
And uh, secretly, um, secretly, no, but I do, and I, no, and no, I told yeah. Steve is that you're, you're such an extraordinary talent, and just to sit there and listen to Ratatat and your new music, and then you would jump up and go play Schubert on the harpsichord, and then turn around and play your own music, your own compositions, and it's mind-boggling. It's yeah. it's it's such an incredible gift. The um, you know the the, sh- the sh- and I you know I just had to tell Steve's. <laughs> Oh. Right, I yeah, yeah. I love playing piano for Z. I well, you played for she me. She enjoys it. I and do. WIOX is supported Oops. by Mountain Flame in Parkville, featuring a range of products for home heating solutions. A variety of fireplaces, wood stoves, and gas and pellet stoves are available and on display for sales and service. Mountain Flame in Arkville, warming home since 1980. Details at mountainflame.com. Uh, well, that was a very short seg. So right now, I just want to take a moment and talk to you about maybe the most important thing in our lives in the Catskills. You are listening to WIOX Community Radio, live and local in the Catskill Mountains at 91.3 FM and MTC Cable Channel 20. Um, happy Mother's Day to everybody and to all of you stepmothers, too. That would be uh, Christy and... Uh, and then the real mother, Clarissa, uh, happiness. And I'm sure that uh, all of you out there that are listening right now that have mothers uh, are sending out the good vibes right now. Um, you can get WIOX anywhere in the world on uh, WIOXradio.org. And so when you travel, uh, tune us in and invite all of your friends to listen in because this is a lot of fun. Um, and so we're here with uh, Mike Stroud, and, and, and Z and I are talking to him, who's had his finger in the music game and, and has uh, really achieved a certain amount of success um, about what it is to... certain amount. A, a, a very certain <laughs> amount. He left, he left uh, the city so that he could uh, come up here and make a lot of noise and not have people persecute him. That's the measure of a successful uh, uh, musician. And, and so when you get your work together and you perform it Mm -hmm. and you have an audience that starts to quiet and really pay attention that form of sharing and and consequently that form of intimacy is a little bit kind of weird um very weird yeah how do you very surreal handle well i'm not handling it you know i we toured for 15 years almost nonstop. i would have you know, 26 flights in a month sometimes. And it was so intense that part of my time here as a retreat, Mm. it it got too much for me and I, I needed to take a break. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. I just do it. It's just, it's easier, much easier for me to get up and play music for people than it is to do this. Like talk. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. Well, the music is your first language. Yeah, exactly. Uh, But that thing that happens when your work, your art, what you've created forms a bridge to somebody else. And and that other person then through being moved by it feels that they have kind of an introduction and a right back into you. There's yeah, that, that's they think, that's well, the they, they talk know about you. that a little bit where they 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 feel and this is I had a lot of high were, school kids saying like you helped me through yeah, yeah. such a hard time or da 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 and 
you know, like they feel like they know you. Yeah. How do you respond to that? I'm always nice. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's flattering. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I enjoy it. Yeah, but then they stalk you and they try No, to... not at all, because our, our band didn't, we had no, like, image. It wasn't like um, the Beatles or Oasis yeah. or one of those bands where, like, you would just see them and know their face. Yeah. No one ever knew who we were. Uh-huh. Like, I met Jake, Z's friend Jake, yeah. Yeah. so many times. And he was a Ratatat fan. I had no idea. Well, that was, that was actually a really funny but situation. that was very common. That happens sometimes. Because they just don't know well, they your don't, face. Well, no, we it's were, not like a recognizable... We were, we were at a, at a fireworks 4th of July, and Jake has known Mike for a while, and... Yeah. Mike was DJing at this party in a coffee truck, and um, and Jake was standing how, there. How low you have fallen! And exactly. um, <laughs> and, and you played and you played Ratatat music, and Jake's standing. There and goes so. I love this music. They're so cool. He immediately was like, "Oh, Ratatat!" I was like, "Oh, you know these guys?" Yeah. Was like, yeah. yeah. I was like, I couldn't help myself. I don't know. Yeah, I just told him. Yeah, you did. And, and, Jake, and Jake came running to me, and he goes, yeah. he "Did you know that Mike was Ratatat? Oh, he was shocked. He had no idea." Yeah, he played so, it off pretty cool. But I didn't really <laughs> know anything about you know Ratatat when I first met Mike. All I remember is that we were sitting in my house, and there were twenty people, and it must have been one in the morning, and there was an old guitar with a busted string. And everybody sort of started playing on it. And, yeah, it was nice. We had a couple of drinks, and it was enjoyable. And then all of a sudden, I heard the sound come from this guitar that had nothing to do with the previous sounds. And it was a wake-up call. I looked, and then there was Mike playing it. And I'm like, who is this guy? <laughs> because we actually didn't know each other at the time. No, yeah, I think we'd just only met. We'd only just met. And the yeah. sounds coming from this busted guitar were completely different. It was off. music. It was showing off. <laughs> I, well, with five strings, it was pretty good. Yeah. Um, there is that beautiful part of life when you look at something that seemingly is broken and you judge it. You know, you judge the book by its cover. And then you are so delightfully surprised at what is not apparently there. And it's, this happens to me mm-hmm. uh, when I go into a one of these local churches and they're just a bunch of old broken down people and and they get up and they sing these old church songs and mm-hmm. out of their voices you know there are these harmonies and these old country uh sort of uh choirs that you look at these people and you go no that that just does not make any sense but i love that thing about your story that you know we we love to assume, and we love more when the assumption doesn't have anything to do wrong. with what. Yeah, wrong. The wrongness of it makes delight happen. And, it's a fun surprise. Yeah. yeah, a fun surprise. And maybe with music, it's it's even more profound than in, in any other way. Well, I I think it maybe. I mean, there was an interesting series of. Well, I, I I would say articles written by Noam Chomsky when he starts exploring the foundation of language. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that he comes up with, and that he then goes in and, and talks to Leonard Bernstein, which is always sort of exploring music. Uh, those two together? Those two together were extraordinary. 
Wow. They were really extraordinary. And one of the things that they came up with, and you can actually hear it because there is a recording. I think this was from the mid-70s, late-70s. There is a recording of this where no matter where in the world a child is born, the first sound that comes out of its mouth is one particular note of music. And it's the same one everywhere. What? Yeah. Yes. No and, and the pitch. The what? way a baby, like the first word that comes out of a baby's mouth when it says ma or mother or whatever it is that they say in China and in Africa, what have you. I have never heard that. Well, they did it. And it was fascinating because Chomsky went through all the different languages that a baby would call its mother. And it's the same exact note. That's I don't remember which note. Instinct. It's a first instinct, and everybody is on the same note. What? Yes, it's really extraordinary. I have to I'm get that. Look that up. That yeah, look that up. Crazy. It's really cool. Well, Tolkien, in his in his first book, which explores the creation myth of our universe, describes it as coming out of music, and um, mm -hmm. and he describes it as a set of harmonics that uh, gave form to everything, and that uh, out of the darkness didn't come light, but came this incredible. Um, and variegated and rich array of, if you will, just energies, which you mm -hmm. know, are you know absolutely what music in, in, the, in its most basic form. But music, think of it this way. I mean, I don't know. I mean, this is what happens to me. It may not happen to everybody, but you know, I, I walk into a museum and you know I see a beautiful painting. And I was like, okay, well, that's beautiful. You know, I, I, I read a book and whatever it will affect me because I'll think about the book. Right. Music will make me cry. Yeah. Because it has, it, it has that power to it. Yeah, right. Either to make you cry, to make you dance, to make you happy, which no other art form has, I think. Yeah, I mean, that would take a really good painting to get you there, you know. Like to stand in front of it and just, like, cry. You wouldn't, you know, it's... it's... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, music touches us more. And such a, even, like, bad music. Sometimes, you know, we have guilty pleasures. It's like... Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just turned a little bit of music <laughs> yeah. on. Fernando. Oh, I love that song. I do too. I, mean, I don't think it's ever made me cry, but no, but it's made me dance. But it does—it does hit us on a deep level. Yeah. I don't. It's hard to figure out why. I don't know. Well, here's another Steve has a funny music uh, music trick, which is if you put a film together or a slideshow, or if you just put a stupid photograph up and you put music behind it, it will add significance to it in a way oh, totally. that uh, makes sense out of it. The, the timing, the pace, the yeah. attention just takes on a different dimension. And, and it, goes, it goes beyond just the additive one plus one equals two. It's that serendipitous or synergistic one plus one equals three. You put music into any mix and suddenly uh, the experience is elevated. Mm -hmm. And and the attention that's given goes, I think, both back into that R factor, very primitive brain, maybe that first ma sound that comes out when we're born, into mm -hmm. our lives, which are so born, interwoven. Already I mean, when when you think, Mike, as as somebody that's built this experience for people, yeah. uh, but this experience, when we grow up, we are imprinted with music. It's the music of our generation. And it right. defines us as much as what ultimately our belief systems are and everything else. Yeah, you meet someone, they tell you their favorite band is yeah, so-and-so, yeah, yeah. you're like, ugh. You judge <laughs> them harshly. You, you know? do, you do. Yeah, you're like, oh, uh, you're not cool. <laughs> right. uh, 
and, but we're imprinted, and so we can't sure. we can't judge it because we're compelled, and that's part of the way our brains are wired. And to Z's point about how we are wired and we deliver uh, upon birth a harmonic, which is a tone that references something. You know, I I think that that is kind of a whole show in itself that we get some neurologist and some, you know, sort of... I, I think it'd be interesting to, to see because uh, obviously it would translate into not only people, but sheep. I mean, how many times have animals, you seen yeah. animals? I mean, how many times have you seen ewes and their lambs? And there's 200 <laughs> of them running around the field and each one has a different sound. Yeah, right. Each one. And the mother knows the sound and the baby knows the mother's. Yeah. Uh, how many different variations of that sound can you possibly have? And yet you have it. Right, it's I, like they have a trained ear without even without knowing even it. knowing it. Yeah, exactly. But you can, I mean, you can work with that. It's not just like a barnyard. You, I have heard, I think on Hee Haw once they did a compilation of barnyard animal sounds, but they mixed it into like a Christmas Carol. They used. They, oh well, let's just like have you have you heard the goats singing of, Game of Thrones? <laughs> well, no, I, but that's <laughs> okay. Well, that's really good. <laughs> that, uh, well, now I, I have something to do with the rest of my life. Yes, it's, go, it's called YouTube. Goat of Thrones, and it's it, it really is really good. It's uh, the music. The goats are... I actually like that, the theme song. I love the theme song. Most TV shows have really bad theme songs. That one's pretty good. Well, Mike played the theme song just listening oh, yeah. to it, sat at the piano one night and just played it. It was nice. extraordinary. Um, do, you, do you ever um, burst into silliness with your music where... Um, you you just play stupid stuff that is giddy. Yeah, I think it's it should be funny. Yeah, I like I, I always tried to put a bit of humor in the Ratatat stuff. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if people got it or not, but yeah. I thought it was funny. How do you? Do, I mean, what tell us, more What does that mean to put humor into your music? I don't know. Just like just a break funny the pattern. sound, or oh. to me, like any like a silly kind of melody could just make me crack up more. Definitely more than a dad joke. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, well, you is, know, I, I tried. Now you can try. Why don't you give us a silly melody? Don't and worry, man. Embarrass yourself. I'm not here to perform. Yeah. Well, <laughs> guess what? You are because you are the star. But one of, of the but, it, but it's interesting that you say that because um, why, I mean, Stephanie's a big fish fan, and fish always has these jokes yeah, going totally. running, whether it's in what They're they play or how they play it, or it's. It's sort of you feel like you're a member of the inner circle if you get it. You get the joke. You get the joke. Right. So then yeah, you can totally. like tell your friends, oh, did you get it? I was it? always really, really happy if uh, like a fan or anyone we met said like they recognize that a song's yeah, that's funny. Good. I was like, oh, thank Do you. you. Did you ever get much feedback from your audience where they'd send you letters or notes or emails about what they thought of it? Um, we, we, get, we still get messages on Facebook all the time. Wow. Well, that's a mark of you making a, an imprint. And a lot of them are like you, like I was saying before, like you got me through this hard time. Yeah, yeah. Da, da, da. See, do you think I guess that, that, you know, I used to have that with music too. It's yeah. more like, a, you know, when you're a teenager in high school, like you need music. Absolutely. It's like really important. Yeah. I think when you get older, you don't really like, you need it in a way, but it's not like this desperate kind of like, you're just having like yeah. strong emotions all the time right, when you're right, a teenager, right. and it just it kind of yeah. can guide you into a happier place. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we get a lot of those kind of messages. Do you think, see, that after having Mike with us tonight, that we'll finally get somebody 
writing to us and telling us that they really enjoyed and were moved by and were saved by our show. Some fan mail? Yeah. I would hope so. I it might. would be nice. <laughs> that would be really nice. We're, we're waiting Have you never had tickler fan mail? We've never had no. a single, single one. And no way. As the bovina farmer, I put a cartoon in the paper every week, and I, I, except for one woman who said, I don't understand a single cartoon you've ever done. I haven't heard a thing. Maybe it's just you got hate mail. Maybe it. I didn't even get that. I would have loved some some conflict, but maybe it's something about um, the non-confrontational way of life in the Catskills, which is why you moved up here. You moved up here because you didn't want the conflict anymore. You didn't want people banging around on your walls, and and, right. and so we don't get those people that are reacting. I guess up here. But please react and send us some. It would be really nice if somebody said that we actually listen to you. Yeah. Just, yeah. Or just send it All to me. All two of you. Send it to Mike. <laughs> He'll pass it on to us, right? The one thing that I've, I actually have, which I don't know how to take, because I can't tell you how many people have said, you know, who, who said, oh, I would love to listen to your show. Where are the podcasts? So I don't know if that's a cop-out because they have nothing else well, to it's say. Really, it's not. Or it's not. Or they really do want to listen to the podcast. And they're like, well, how right. can like two reasonably intelligent people not figure this out? Yeah. Well, yeah. And the podcasts <laughs> are coming. I've, I've hired we have Well, that's like saying, like, I like the, the, my favorite thing about that song is the length. Right. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> It's like really, if you're if you're not going to listen comment. to the show, are you really going to go listen to the you know, podcast? When, I, when Andrea was on the show, I told Steve Catskill Stevens, yeah. he was like, "Do you need me, Tickler?" Like he got very excited. Yeah. So you've got a fan out there. There, there, there yeah. People. I mean, I but, that, but uh, it's because Steve's a celebrity. He's the philosopher king of Bavina. Well, so. Dave, uh, Deb is listening in Des Moines, Iowa. Hi, Deb. And David in Memphis, uh, Tennessee, is listening. <laughs> And uh, do we have anybody in Abu Dhabi? Probably. Uh, we probably do. There's probably like yeah. somebody in Sri Lanka listening to the show. Mike Lee, send us your cards and letters. Yeah. Um, so when you continue on your evolution and with your next band, whose name is? Kunzeit. Kunzeit. Uh, what does that mean? It's a crystal. Okay. Um, Doesn't mean anything. <laughs> well. Well, are you already on a schedule for performances? And uh, Not yet. Uh, I think the record will come out in the fall, and we'll do tours. And we've got yeah. a booking agent, and yeah. I don't know how we're even releasing it yet. But yeah. we're, we're hoping for Clemson and Bartle. Right. Of course. Well, that's... And on the Evening Tickler, you what, have when all heard about Bartle. Again? Labor Day weekend. I forget when that is. Uh, first week of September. Okay. That could be, that's a possibility. That could happen. Um, have um, you thought about your stage outfit, Mike? It's important. Uh, even though this is radio, could you paint us a picture of what you're, you're going to be wearing? Because I know Maybe you've got a wife who really knows how to put it on. Right, she does. Uh, I suppose it'll be some kind of uniform. Um, yeah. Maybe some like Ziggy Stardust style. Mm. Some Japanese or something. Uh-huh. Yeah, but to be honest, I haven't thought of I don't care yeah. about it. Yeah, but people care about that. You know, if you're on tour, you got to show up. I mean, I usually would just dress like this, jeans and a t-shirt and rat-a-tat. And yeah, and that was fine. That was fine for me. But yeah. I don't know. Maybe I'll put a little more effort into the look this time. Yeah. Well, you've... That, it, it kind of helps in a way because you you, could, you get out of your your own personality. Like, I'm taking on this character... 
and it makes it sort of easier to just get in that zone of performing and you know because i sure do sometimes performing you can get a little like in your head or insecure or something so i think that's part i think that's why people do that put on the put on you know a, david a, Byrne, like with his yeah. huge suit or whatever it's just right. like creating a character that yeah. isn't necessarily you um, there is a, an unbelievable freedom in in whatever method possible, either using psychedelics, alcohol, or costume, or all of the other methods to lose yourself, so that you can find yourself. And right. um, I think that the as they say, the number one fear that people have is public speaking. There is, and they fear it because um, there is a bone in us when attention is put on us we get paralyzed and when right. we, when we can avoid the idea that that ray of focus and attention is on us there is that wonderful freedom that we have when we dance by ourselves in the shower right. and that's certainly when you perform what you want to have um, that sort of raw energy that yeah. uh, gets totally. released and have you ever been performing and you become self-conscious? I mean, that's... that's Are you that, kidding? That's awful. When that... <coughs> I always had really bad stage fright. Yeah, it's... Pretty much every every show, you know, I would... About a, one or two songs in, I could kind of just... You know, it would, yeah. like, it's muscle memory at that point. Like, right. I know how to do this, but... Yeah. The first song, I don't know, every every time... I, so I was just terrified. Yeah. But I, even somehow playing for a smaller crowd was scarier yeah. in this weird way. Yeah, because it's like more intimate. Like playing for a room full of friends is oh. like more nerve-wracking than playing for like 5,000 strangers. Yeah. Uh, did it ever completely throw you off your block where you just had to like walk out and, and take a deep breath and yeah. come back? Yeah, tons of times. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I think I got good at faking it. Uh-huh. You know, I tell someone after like, oh, I'm so nervous, blah, blah, blah. They're like, oh, we didn't notice. No, nobody noticed. Yeah. 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 See, so have you? Ever, I think I maybe overcompensated. Well, <laughs> but we all come up with our ways to go about getting through that. There is right. that physicality of just you know it. It basically it goes up into your head and you get dizzy, and your breath gets weird, and you have to get back into your body before you can get back into your performance. But it's 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 right. true that what, what you say about playing for you know family and friends because we had that party on New Year's and it was as it was abandoned it was friends of yours and right. you were out there like okay I hope this works I hope this really works I'm not sure if it's going to work and you were physically yeah. nervous oh totally but uh, performers yeah. are generally are I just care beta I block. I yeah know. well that's exactly it I think that I just want it to be good yeah. Ratatat too was especially nerve wracking because there was, there was a lot of like technical issues that could have happened. You know, we played at Coachella, 2015. We hadn't played That's for years, and the first song, like the it, just immediate problems, like the sound cut out, and it just I it threw me off my whole mm. game mm. for the whole show. Mm. Our biggest show we ever played was in Guadalajara, thirty thousand people. Yeah, ten seconds into the show, there's like, you know, thirty Mexican dudes just <laughs> plugging and unplugging stuff on stage and just panicked. I was like, it was such a train wreck. Oh, oh man. that's 
That is, uh, I, I'm glad to see you smiling at this point, uh, so many years afterwards. But that, that is, yeah, funny. that is the moment when what it is that you do and know you can do well, and the world has conspired to pull the rug out from under you. Yeah. You you have that that moment, that existential.
you're like a successful. But there was this band D Antwerd. Yeah, they had crazy haircuts. They gave funny interviews. Yeah. Their music was ridiculous. Yeah, and they became so famous. Yeah. So let's do the pig thing. Let's do it. Okay. Z. Hey, my my. I mean, I'll start training him now. I mean, I've got two. That will be really good for this. <laughs> um, you know, we are here. Um, in the Catskills at WILX with uh, with Mike Stroud and, and Z and Steve. And this has been one of those evenings where we have been at the knee of a giant who is among us because he needed uh, the quiet, because he makes a lot of noise. And we want you to know that that noise is going to be jumping up. Stay close to this man. He has got it. He's got the maw. Right, Z? Oh, yes. Come back next week. We've got, we got Captain Trips coming on. Enjoy the three hours of the dead. Love you all. See you next week. They need to mind their own business. They don't know the trouble that I've been through. Everybody.